Hello, I'm Jeff Lester and welcome to Wait, What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. It's our first installment of episode 20 and Graham McMillan and I jump in feet first to talk recent comics. Paul Cornell's Action Comics Annual, the first arc of Matt Fraction and Pascal Ferry's Thor, trade editions of 52, New Avengers number 7, press releases from Marvel, and possible WonderCon plans. It's hour-long comic book conversing in the mighty Wait What Manor. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Graham? Jeff Lester, my computer has stopped crashing. Uh, and now I can finally ask you the question that I was going to ask you a couple of minutes ago. Have you read Paul Cornell's Action Comics annually yet? No, sir. Uh, there, w- there, is a, there is a line in here that I'm going to tell you of Dark Side's dialogue, which A, will convince you that you have to read this comic, and B, <laughs> I think we should adopt as a motto for this podcast. Sounds great. I'm all about uh, the mottos. Okay. I'm not going to give any context for this because that would ruin it. <laughs> Darkseid says, ready your mind, there's a danger it might be blown. <laughs> You'll be able to know that there's a danger it might be blown ends with two exclamation points. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm kind of bummed that it's not actually in quotes. but uh, No, 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 yeah. but you'll be able to know that earlier on in the same issue, because I have it in front of me right now, he says... Yes, you have questions, many questions. That is the nature of man. Nature isn't quotation marks. And many questions has two exclamation points. That is awesome. Uh, also, this is the youth you mentioned to add. Youth also in quotation marks. <laughs> Seriously, it's it's so great. It's 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 honestly like he heard us talking about <laughs> it. Could be dialogue. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. For example, uh Dark side is explaining to young Lex Luthor about Bruno Mannheim and Intergang, which, let's face it, could use some explanation. Yes. Bruno Mannheim found it so. He belongs to me. His Intergang, in quotation marks, aids my quest in Metropolis for power absolute, two exclamation points. <laughs> Numbers in italics that can make the world, the word itself, word in quotation marks, and that sentence has two exclamation points. <laughs> it can be found in the fabric of that city, two exclamation points. It's so good. Oh, man. Yeah, it kills me. I really wanted to get to um, to Comics Experience today. I would have loved to have gotten there yesterday, but I'm like, oh, I'll get there today and pick stuff up. And I don't think it will be happening. So, um, But I did I did pretty much right after your email, like, dropped a, dropped a line to Hibbs going, like, do you have more of these? Can you save me one? So I'm, I'm, it is, I'm committed to buying it, sir. I... It's one of these weird things where I'm not sure how much of it will make sense outside of the Action Comics run that Cornell's doing. Right. Um, because it's it's very much based in his incredible mythology building of Lex Luthor. Like, if Lex Luthor had an ego before, Paul Cornell was doing his best to make that ego worthwhile. I mean, the, the annual is about when he's a kid. Well, not a kid, but when he's, like, whatever, a teenager. Mm-hmm. He not only meets Darkseid, is kidnapped to Apocalypse for six months. Uh builds a weapon that can harm Darkseid, then escapes from Apocalypse, and then meets up with Rishal Ghul. Nice. This is like, you know, when he's a kid. Yeah, when he's, a, yeah, like a teenager. It's spectacular. Like... <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, the, um, the regular series as well has a very funny... 
it's a it's a funny joke that I think people who have been following the series and not realizing that Cornell's doing it as much for laughs as anything else would oh. probably be upset about. The last issue of Action Comics ended with Vandal Savage in I want to say like the 1600s or something. Uh huh being told by a soothsayer that Lex Luthor will one day cause him trouble. And so he builds an entire castle where every room is a boot trap to trap Lex Luthor. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Which is it's a great idea. Right. The following issue basically shows that Basil Savage, in all the years he's known Lex Luthor, has never been able to get Lex Luthor to visit the castle. <laughs> He's always like, oh, come by. And he's like, no, he too busy. Like, there's, scenes, there's scenes where he's like, you should come to Bulgaria where you can achieve your true potential. And Lex Luthor's like, no, I'm fine here. Thanks very much. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, I, I find that ridiculously funny. And the punchline is that it's the reason this would happen is because Lex Luthor's searching for like these basically leftovers of the Black Lantern power that are left in, on Earth. Mm-hmm. And Van Slavich has two of them in this castle. And the punchline of the thing is, Lex Luthor realizes how he can get to them without going anywhere near the castle and just sends a satellite up to activate them instead. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't know that like, Van Slavich has it or anything. That's great. He's just like, oh, they're there, let's send the satellite up. And you've got Van Slavich being like, fuck you! <laughs> Damn it! I really need to get my hands on these issues. It's uh, it's one of those deals where Hibs keeps selling out, and yeah. I'm just like, I'm like, I guess I'm waiting for the trade at this point. So, the the trade will probably like it'll probably make more sense because they're fairly slight in single issue form. Yeah, but well, true. But the you one know. the one thing you'll miss not in the trade is the wonderful Jimmy Olsen backup, right? Which is, I mean so fun and also fun enough to make me wish that there was an ongoing Jimmy Olsen series yeah you know I was kind of thinking between that series because um, I, I had read the read the preview off Comixology that you had uh, you'd pointed me toward between that and Grant Morrison's little treatment of uh, of the character in All-Star Superman and Abhay's little uh, brilliant little essay about it um, mm-hmm. on Savage Critic I'm like we're kind of in a it's it's like a it's Jimmy's world. We're just yeah, in. we're just living in it. Yeah, I was like, I'm like it's a Jimmyessence. I don't know. <laughs> I, you'll you'll be happy to know that the um, action comic series is actually much better now than that preview was, and I really liked the preview. Yeah, the preview was quite good. So it, it's it's even better, huh? Yeah, because basically because it keeps zigging instead of zagging. Like it sets up a ridiculous like cliffhanger, uh-huh. and then the next issue will be like, okay, that's not really what happened. <laughs> Like the whole the whole point of the preview is that they set up this thing where like Jimmy Olsen has to ha- has a week basically to impress Chloe. Yes, uh, and that is going to be the most awesome week ever. Mm-hmm. By the third episode, that's they've already done away with that. <laughs> they've already been like, okay, so that's not going to happen. But all this has happened instead. <laughs> hmm. Well, I think I think that's actually kind of a very smart move, especially in kind of a backup. I think the idea of trying to keep something really, really fresh uh, has oh, yeah, a it's, lot it's of awesome. appeal it just, to it. It just keeps it just keeps going and keep changing it. it it's a lot of fun. Uh, the next episode apparently is going to be Lois Lane trying to make Jimmy Olsen over into being a ladies' man, <laughs> <laughs> which is just again you say it, you're like that's a great idea. Yeah. I would totally read that. <laughs> um, so it, it's a shame that it's going to be ending. 
Uh, and but from what I understood, like it was always a limited run thing. It was only going to run like ten episodes at most, mm-hmm. um, which is a shame. I, I honestly would have been happy if this continued forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it does make action a really nice package between Lex Luthor and Jimmy Olsen. It, it works really well. That's great. Um, Look at us talking about comics really quickly. Right out of the gate. I know. I know that that never happens. We normally tell people that they have to skip like 60 minutes into the podcast. But no, because of that awesome dark side quotes, we went straight in. We went straight in there. Actually, you know, what was great was, of course, uh, Edie started listening and knew exactly when to stop thanks to that warning. You know, (laughs) she was like, I just want to hear you guys talk about your colds and complain about stuff. And then when I got the comics, I could just turn it off. I knew it was coming. I'm like, huh? It's kind we of a dual do purpose. That again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's totally what we should do. One person's vocal trash is another vocal. So, hey, well, speaking of what we totally should do, uh, you know, WonderCon's coming up, sir. WonderCon? <laughs> yeah, it's... WonderCon's it... coming up in like six months. No, 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 no. Uh, April, April third, four months. April okay, 1st, that's that's. Third? Last time I checked, that's still a third of a year away. Dude, 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 dude. The point being, they already have the, the – you can go and register as a professional and get your little packet in there if you're going to be doing a, a panel perhaps of some kind. Perhaps if people were to do a live oh, podcast, oh. for example. I was thinking about this the other day and honestly thinking, how could we make that work? <laughs> I know. In part because, as you know, I have, I have an incredible fear of public speaking, uh, despite the fact that I've been on a panel, like, every single convention I've been at. You've been on multiple panels. Like, last I, WonderCon, I you were on three of them, I think, weren't you? I, I was on one. It just seemed like three. It just seemed really long. <laughs> That's all. That is not true. Um, I, was, I was only on one. I don't know what panels you think I was on. Oh, I, I'm probably compressing the last three cons I went to with you into to one. Because I'm like, no, because there was the Iron Iron one. What, and the... Yeah, what, what happens is you keep missing panels, and I will tell you about them, and they probably all blend into one after a while. Maybe that's Cause, it. Because you missed the publishing panel at San Diego, and I remember. Yeah. I yeah, was telling true. you about that. Mm. Um, but no, we, we should do one, but how do we do it? Like, can we just say it's our podcast, but live? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm thinking, like, I don't know, maybe we should check out on Twitter. I, I'm sure a lot of people are like... Uh, why would we see that? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure we quite have the Oh, you know what we should do? What? You, me, Esther, and David, and it should be fourth letter versus wait what? Oh, that would be great. Yeah, sort of a simulcast sort of thing. That would be kind of fun. Yeah, the four of us would just, yeah, that would be fun. (laughs) That's what we should do. We have to get brothers on board. We have to get Esther on board. Okay, that sounds fantastic. Also, I haven't seen or talked to Esther in the longest time, so that would also be great for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I love Esther, and I ne- I'm really bad at keeping in contact. Yeah. So I, I I would I would happily come up with a panel as an excuse to spend an hour talking about comics, <laughs> Esther. <laughs> I think I think as far as I can tell, Lauren uh, Davis has done a wonderful job being the um, the Earth Two Gram down here, in that she seems to see them. See Esther and David uh, and Andrew and a whole bunch of people that I sort of that I met through you. She's you know seen them on a regular basis. And See, I'm like, oh. th- this is what's happening. Lauren is there through me because Earth Two is apparently much better. <laughs> <laughs> 
given the choice between Lauren and me, everyone moved to Earth 2. Jesus. No, no, no. As I recall, Earth 1 moved away. So you really, it's, it's all about the hypertime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a weird metaphor. Hey, talking about that, I was reading 52 again this weekend. Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually got all the trades at the library in part because, hey, it's a library, and in part because um, after reading the first collection of Brightest Day, I was like, I want to go back and see if this is very unlike 52, because uh, Douglas wrote about it for Techland when we were doing the round table, mm-hmm. and he pretty much said, like, oh, it's 52, 52 was crap. Um, and I, I've been feeling fairly positive about Brightest Day, and I was like, maybe I'm misremembering. And I kind of am and kind of I'm not, but what's great about the trades is the postscripts for each chapter uh no because the creators basically say each chapter like you know i remember this about the writing of this um and wade wade in particular is amazing just -hmm. because you know he's very funny anyway Mm -hmm. but um but he also reveals the original death speech for booster gold that he got voted out on Uh which is really 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 funny that's Um, awesome just spoilers for everyone who hasn't read 52 here. Um, as you remember, Booster Gold fakes his death in order to become Supernova. Mm-hmm. But he fakes his death by fighting Supernova. <laughs> do you remember this? Yes, I do. That's right. And then there's an so explosion the, or something. Yes. So the, the end of the fight originally had Booster Gold being sarcastic and going, look at me, I'm a great superhero. Hero. Look at me, I'm Supernova. And then dying. Oh, that's great. Which would have been great. Yeah, yeah. That and is... Everyone else is like, no, you're completely giving it away. But that would have been really funny. No, that's really great, because I don't think that would have given it away in the whole sarcasm. Yeah, because it looks Cause, like cause... one thing. It looks like terrible irony, but in fact, it's it's a big tell. That's actually yeah. pretty great. Um. So, yeah, it's, it's really fun to read. But also, 52... I love 52, but reading 52 as a collection, it mm-hmm. doesn't hold up together that greatly i i wouldn't really think so i mean i remember you could tell how entirely fucked the pacing is the yeah and actually in the afterwards they admit that like they're i think it's weak whatever but the beginning of the fourth trade which i think is going to be 40 41 mm-hmm. uh rucka pretty much is like you know at this point we were all phoning each other up realizing we had far too little space left for all the story we had to do yeah yeah well because they because there was that great period in the I don't know, I want to say like the mid-twenties or something where they were just clearly writing stuff to amuse one another and it was really, it was pretty delightful. It was it was really fun. These guys were all super, super, super smart. But um, but I think I, there was definitely that feeling of like, okay, so you, we've got Christmas with the Savannah family or Thanksgiving or whatever it was. Where the, how is this going to pay off? You know, so I, there was so much great, clever stuff that, was such a sharp swerve from where they were going yeah that yeah i can just imagine that they got even that in their own you know and the own pacing of it because working with everyone else on that title like it's it's a really really hard act to do i'm sure so the the other thing that i wish having read the, the afterwards i wish i could see now is ralph dibney's death was rewritten by keith giffen really because Dan DiDio did not like what they'd originally written. Huh. And interestingly enough, Dan DiDio writes the afterword for that and says, like, I, d- I made the decision to do this. I get Keith Given to rewrite it. You know, everyone signed off on it, but they were not happy, which I think is a fairly bold thing to say. Mm-hmm. But I'm really curious what the original death was. 
because I, I, I remember reading in singles, I found that really unsatisfying. Because mm-hmm. the chapter up until that point, I thought I'd been really, like, really promising because, you know, it's the, he's not really alcoholic. He's been sick, uh, drinking his, was it Gingold, whatever it was, mm-hmm. like, to regain his powers all along. He's a detective. He's put all these clues together. And then, then he's just like, but then he gets killed. Yeah. You know? And I was kind of like, what? Where did that come from? Like, what? Uh, and so, so the the data was basically saying, like, you know, the last four pages were rewritten. Wow. Was like, huh, that makes a lot of sense, but I really wish I could see what the original thing was. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Because um, that's it's really interesting. I mean, and it's so rare that we get any sort of glimpse behind the curtain and see how that stuff happens. You know, it's just... It comes down the pike, and you're sort of like, oh, okay, this is the end product. You never know how um, all the behind-the-scenes stuff, like how inorganic it actually is. So, uh, Yeah, that, that's one of the great things about these traits. The afterwards are really, really good for that. That's awesome. For people saying, you know, we didn't think this was going to happen. This completely took us by surprise. Uh, or rocket points, <laughs> things that, you know this was a loose end and it completely killed Mark Wade, which is why it comes back later. <laughs> or are they, uh, they fucking up their timing on each other's stories. Mm. So Rucka has Renee and the question appearing in Kandak to celebrate Black Adam's uh, engagement before he gets engaged. <laughs> and he's like, I didn't realize at the time. And then when we realized we were able to change dialogue, before it went out, but it really pisses me off reading it because wow. he because he screwed up the timing. That's really funny. So things I like things like that. I, I, you know, the process one can be is just like I want an entire book of this. Right, exactly. All the stories, all the time. Well, uh, speaking of Wade, I figured this this I thought was what we were going to lead with since it was such new news. The um, freelance thing. Yeah, him leaving Boom to return to freelance. I was really surprised, but you know, good luck to him, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. I, I, I don't, I don't know what to say beyond that. I mean, I'm presuming everything's good, so hooray. Yeah, I guess that's kind of it, huh? You know, although I'll be, I'll be curious to see. Um, you know, for me, it's the the thing of like, well, will he, you know, will he start? Will could will he hand off his titles to someone else at some point? You know? Well, have you have you read the comic book resources interview with him? I I skimmed it because um, I he, literally he got says, the heads up for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he basically says he's writing the three boom books. He's n- not got anything else lined up with any other company. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. So I mean, it sounds just like you know he'd rather be writing right now. Yeah, which is great, and I mean, I didn't, I didn't see it as a, um, as like a oh no sort of situation. I, it, it seems kind of inevitable, but, uh, but a, I thought it was fascinating. Of course, the, Adam Nave was the one who tipped me to it, and it's like, oh hey, this is all your guys' fault. So uh, <laughs> because we said we said that he should be the editor of DC. Yep, and then next wow. week he like leaves. Boom. So as far as Nave's concerned, uh, you did this, Graham. So. Um, you're welcome, Adam. <laughs> I, I've got to tell you, uh, the best press release I've received from Marvel Comics to yes. 
Marvel Comics have released a press release about the fact that five of their miniseries are going to be two ninety nine. Wow. Never mind the fact that the solicits for these comics came out two, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, like, we know this. This is not news. Right. Okay? And the press release is called, I Want My Two Ninety Nine, <laughs> And says, because you asked for it, Marvel made it happen. Here's the first wave of fantastic new limited series at two ninety nine per issue. Featuring Marvel's biggest characters and helmed by some of the industry's most fan-favored creative teams. These Jesus. limited series cover new and exciting ground from all corners of the Marvel Universe. Oh, dear. Yeah. And, uh, that, it finishes with... Hang on, I have to scroll down. Fans demanded new titles for two ninety nine per issue, and Marvel listened. Now is the time to show your support for these books in your shops by asking your retailer to order them, and more are sure to come. Wow. It's, oh, it's... Oh, it's... It, it actually hurts me. <laughs> it's like, fans, fans, we made it happen. You know, a couple of months after we said it was going to happen, and it wasn't really what we originally said. Yeah. But... That's okay, but a it's I mean I mean, the miniseries are, in case you want to know this, I Captain do. America, Hail Hydra, Wolverine and Jubilee. That oh god, like everyone asked for it, Jubilee's a vampire, Wolverine's not. They fight crime miniseries, Arcade Death Game, which is the repurposed um, Avengers Academy Young Allies Spider Girl annual crossover that Paul's opened writing that all of a sudden is now miniseries. Hmm. Um, I think it's a miniseries because they cancelled Young Allies so Young Allies can't really have an annual if it's not a series honestly I think that's why it's turned into a miniseries um, Hawkeye Blindspot which is the third relaunch of Hawkeye in the last year wow um, and Five Ronin which uh, as David Brothers pointed out on Twitter this isn't really Ronin guys <laughs> have you heard about Five Ronin? no Five Ronin is Five Ronin for me is proof that Marvel is not going to stop until they have franchised their characters to every available time period ever. Five Ronin is what if Marvel characters existed in feudal Japan and were samurai? Oh no. I'm really not joking. Guess who's writing it? You you'll be stunned. I was stunned as well. Uh, Zeb Wells? Peter Milligan. What? Exactly. Wow. Huh. I think we're back. I think because Peter Milligan goes in this like cycle. I think we're back in the point where like Greek Street got cancelled, and so he's selling out again. (laughs) He's selling out again. No, but you know, I mean, like there's a period where after you know after his vertical books cancelled, all of a sudden he's doing like Uncanny X Men. Yeah. He well, yeah. I mean, he was doing like he did that really amazingly atrocious Electra series for Marvel, as I recall. That was, that was yeah, which, which, yeah, I mean, I seem to remember it was like, you know, Vertigo, like the Minx got cancelled, then he did X-Force, which people liked, then X-Statics, which people liked, and, but they both got cancelled, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he's, he's just like, Uncanny X-Men and Electra, and all these books that no one really wants to read. Right. And which, like, he was visibly slumming in. <laughs> yeah, well, see, that's it. He definitely has his visible slumming, you know, uh, at, at that Punisher Max one-shot that I got, you know, I was like... Oh, somebody's got bills to pay, you know. And and this one is like I don't know if he like pitched that one and they went awesome, or oh, they I, were like I, I know this totally sounds like editorial and yeah, they so were like, like get hey, someone to write the, this. The, the noir books worked out. Do you think get away with Spider Man Japan? Probably not. Let's call it Ronin. <laughs> so uh, who who are the creative teams on the other titles? 
Um, now you're asking. Hail Hydra, I do not know. I know that Paul Tobin is writing the Death Game crossover, mm-hmm. which is called Death Game. I mean, I've just said, I kind of like the name Arcade Death Game. And also, I like Arcade, so I, and I like Paul Tobin's writing. Chances are, this is going to be a, a buy for me. Yes. Um, Jim McCann is doing the Hawkeye series, because it spins out of Widowmaker, which is in itself... Spinning out from, yeah. Hawkeye and Mockingbird, yeah. Right. Um, and I really liked Hawkeye and Mockingbird, and then I read the first issue of Widowmaker yesterday. And let's just say that I probably would have jumped off the book if it had continued, and that was the first issue of the crossover. Oh, yeah? Because I really didn't like it. Interesting. Why? What was the, the big change-up for you? It's just... The big change-up, honestly, is, like, tonally, it's such a massive change from the first six issues. Mm-hmm. That it's like, all of a sudden it's like, you know, oh, spies, deadly, dun, dun, dun. And that wasn't why I was interested in the series. Mm-hmm. I was interested in the series because of the characters. And the more it goes towards the spy game is deadly, the less I'm interested. Right. And so for, for a, you know, four-part crossover with Black Widow, who I'm not that interested in, um, about spies, the spy is deadly, you know, <laughs> No thanks. Especially when, again, it's rebooting Ronan, the character. Hmm. Who was, remember, Echo and then was Hawkeye for a bit? Yeah. Ronan, they're now retconning it, so Ronan has always been a Russian spy killer. And other people people have just, like, stolen the outfit, apparently. (laughs) Honestly, that's that's pretty much the setup they're going with. So, when the character appeared in Bendis' Avengers, apparently... That person had been a Russian. That that persona had been a Russian spy killer in the universe, completely unmentioned before. Yes, wow. and Echo had stolen the outfit. That I mean, I, no good for them. I can. It's. I mean, I can see how as a retcon it works. It's just not a retcon I'm interested. in. Wait, you can see how that's a retcon that works? Is that what you said? Sure. It's, yeah, it's a spy killer who no one really knows about outside the spy community. I can buy that we've never heard of that character. So, if you buy that nobody can hear about the has ever heard of the character, then how did Echo hear about him? Her- oh, no, because uh, you, you clearly didn't read Bendis' uh, New Avengers. Didn't someone mail Echo the outfit? I seem to remember Echo did not come up with the outfit herself. Maybe that was much later. I seem to remember the whole cloudy, like, Captain America talking to, like, Matt Murdock or somebody. Like, because, of course, it was the it was a Because it was really, reveal. yeah. Because it, was, yeah. So, it was not supposed to be Daredevil. I mean, really? Was it not supposed to be Daredevil as much as they always deny it? Well, they always deny it. But, which, I and I don't know why they decided to swerve on it. Because that was actually kind of a very fun idea. But... But, you know, then they set it up where it's Murdoch and Murdoch's like, oh, I, you know, let me tell you, put you in touch with someone who actually would be perfect. And then I just went on to get deeply, deeply confused at that point. Because by the time Echo pops up, isn't that like Scroll Echo at that point anyway? Like... Uh, no, I think Scroll Echo actually comes along afterwards. Really? I think, I think actual Echo was a member of the New Avengers for a while. Oh, okay. It wasn't just Scroll Echo the whole time. No, I, th- I think Scroll Echo comes along. I think Scroll Echo came along after Scroll. Um, Jessica Drew. I'm fairly sure Je- Jessica Drew was actually a member of the team as well at some point. I'm fairly sure Jessica Drew got replaced between the first and second story arcs. Huh. Okay. So, someone who pays attention to Bendis' Avengers who is not me, please correct me. Yeah, definitely jump in there because I completely. I think. 
it, it was I, I followed I followed Bendis's New Avengers right up to Secret Invasion, I think, and then I jumped off. I started Secret Invasion. Did Secret Invasion not make it really easy to jump off Bendis's Avengers? Oh yeah, it, it couldn't have been made more easy in a way. It, it was kind of amazing, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It really was just like, hey, we're going to do not only a crossover with the main title, but a crossover where every book is completely released out of chronology. Yeah. Uh, and stories will be part one in Mighty Avengers, part two in New Avengers, maybe three or four months apart. Right. You know, hope you're going to buy them all and then figure out the reading order later. It really was. As, I mean, for all their, we're doing something no crossovers ever done before, non-linear flashback. <laughs> it's like, I'm, yeah, there's a reason no one's done that before. Yeah, yeah. It's actually kind of terrible. So, yeah. Yeah, I, it, it, it was not, yeah. Although, for all my bitchiness, I was going to say one of the, best books I've read in a while was This Week's New Avengers, mm-hmm. which completely took me by surprise. <laughs> You've it's, been enjoying it overall, though, haven't you? Yeah, but this, yeah, but I've been enjoying it in a... I really like Stuart Eminem. I like these characters. You know, Bendis' writing is okay. Mm-hmm. But this week, it's Bendis' writing that makes it. Oh. That's not true. Bendis' writing and Stuart Eminem's hilarious panels of Wolverine eating, which is always funny. You can never throw Wolverine eating and not be funny. But Eminem, <laughs> Eminem plays up the comedy um, and makes it something just spectacular. Wow. Um, but no, it's it's one of those um, pretty old-fashioned, like, you know, the big battle is over, so everyone is recovering issues. Mm-hmm. But almost entirely played for laughs. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden people are claiming romantic backgrounds with Luke Cage. Uh, which which makes him very uncomfortable. Um, Squirrel Girl gets hired as Luke Cage and Jessica Jones's nanny, and after she gets the job, it is revealed that she and Wolverine have had a romantic past. <laughs> and they, they have a really awkward meeting, which is spectacular. Uh, Doctor Strange joins the team mm-hmm. as says Luke Cage, Doctor Strange, the Magic Adventure. Uh, he's immediately like, please don't call me that. He, he then brings along Wong as basically the new Jarvis. And Wong's, this is Wong's entry into the series. When I dedicated my life in service to you as Sorcerer Supreme, I remember I closed my eyes and prayed that one day I would grow up to be a second-rate Jarvis for a second-rate pile of Avengers. <laughs> Once I get it set up, if anybody touches my kitchen, I'll burn it to the ground. <laughs> That's all he says in the entire issue. <laughs> I mean, they, they really are just setting up the completely dysfunctional family. Right. Um, I'm also incredibly amused that... I, I don't think it's me getting a shout-out, but my point of view about New Avengers gets shout-out when Nighthawk comes in and says, I don't get it. Clearly you guys are the Defenders, but you're calling yourself the Avengers? Is it just me? Am I the crazy one? <laughs> It's honestly just a funny breather and made me think I kind of love this series. I, I would not have expected to say that, but I really do. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you do. Perhaps I should perhaps I should put that issue on the I should pick that up um, thing. <clears throat> if nothing else, Eminem makes everything look nice. Yeah. Sure, Eminem's a lovely, lovely artist. He is, but interestingly enough, um, I don't know if there's like a ton of artists now who can, um, I was, I was going to use the blatantly bad pun of draw me to a book without 
realizing that I, that's what I was saying. But uh, that can that can make me go, oh, okay, I I will pick up this book. Like I I love some of Eminent's work, and but oh no, I'm not, I'm saying it more as even if you don't find the book as funny as I find it, sure, you you will not be disgusted by the imagery. Right, right, right. No, 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 no. And it's true. I'm just I'm I, I was thinking like hmm, perhaps we should talk. Do you have an artist uh, that that's kind of uh, like. If they're drawing it, I'm picking it up, kind of thing, or at least uh, I, I definitely have. It, it yeah, if I have quite a few artists, if they're drawing it, I will at least leaf through it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, Paul Pope, well, of course, yeah, Brandon Graham, mm-hmm. Frank Whiteley. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, in part, because I thought I was writing about it for Tech Hunt and I wasn't, and in part because of the art, picked up the first four issues of Fractions Thor. Uh-huh. Uh, because I love Pascal Ferry's art, mm-hmm. um, and that was a huge mistake. Um, <laughs> who else? Cameron Stewart, actually. Cameron Stewart is is becoming one of those artists for me. Yeah, uh, you know, it, uh, and it, after, after Thor, Chris Samney as well. Uh, right, Chris Samney is kind of uh, just amazing. I take it you saw his just gorgeous Superman the movie in six oh, panels. Oh yes, seriously, it, he's he's so good. Yeah. <laughs> He's he's really stunning, uh, but you know Cameron Stewart's actually a really good example of that because the, you know the first issue of Assassin's Creed Brotherhood came out like just a couple of weeks ago I think right, mm. and I was like oh hey um, yeah I'm just not picking this up you know like I just I like <laughs> yeah. it really was I like I have no, no but interest here's the thing. like it's it's a beautiful looking book because I also love Carl Kerschel's work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but story-wise, there's absolutely nothing in it for me. Because mm-hmm. I, I got mailed a copy from DC, and I was like, oh, this will look great. And it does. It looks spectacular. Mm-hmm. But there, I can't, I will not pick up a book if there's no story hook for me at all. Mm. I have to at least kind of want to read the story. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah. Which is why, like, the Thor thing is just completely disappointing for me. Mm. Yeah. So do you want to talk about that? Uh, you know all my issues with Mark Fraction and Iron Man? Yes. So multiply them by 10 and you have his Thor. <laughs> um, I, okay, so each issue is three ninety nine. Right. Okay, I bought four because I bought the first four issues. Right. So I paid $16, give or take four cents. Yeah. Um, and honestly, there's probably enough story in there for maybe an issue and a half. Mm-hmm. In particular, the first three issues are... It's like someone has bet him to see how slowly he can write a story. Right. Um, And also, everything that's done is poorly explained over an incredibly long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not as funny as it thinks it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we've seen before. And also completely lacks character motivation. Wow. Can you you tell I really like this? Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's and part of it is I think Fraction is in love with Pascal Ferry's art, mm-hmm. and so everything is a double page spread, mm. like things that really should be a page, mm-hmm. you know, six panels will all of a sudden take two pages, uh, because he just loves the art and it, it's it's beautiful art, but it's beautiful art in service of nothing, which is a real problem. Um, are are you aware of the plot of Fraction's Thor? Uh. As I recall, it's something about the son of Loki, right? No, 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 no. no. So the overall plot is because Asgard has come to Earth, 
Mm -hmm. Asgard's position on the world tree, which, as defined by the official handbook of the Marvel Universe, is like a nine-layered cosmic thing, Uh uh, is empty. And so what would be on the tenth level, if there were a theoretical tenth level, came to the ninth level and is now basically conquering everything and moving down towards Earth. Mm. Which is a nice idea. Yeah, it's a, that's a good cosmic hook. Um, in the middle of all of this, Thor is sad that Loki is dead mm-hmm. and spends two, hour, two hours, two issues um, moping. I mean, really just moping. Before, before deciding that he will bring him back to life. Oh, brings him back to life. That's what it is. Okay. He brings him back to life in a way that you don't get explained. And hopefully if someone read like JMS, they can listen to this and tell me whether like this was ever explained. Because I swear to God, Thor says, I miss my brother. I think I shall bring him back. That's a quote. I'm looking at the issue right now. Wow. Okay. And then the next issue, Loki's alive again. And there's no explanation. Really? Yeah. Oh. There's no explanation. Okay. Also, Loki is now a child in France uh, who doesn't, uh, may or may not have memories of what he was like before. Mm-hmm. He says he doesn't, but it's Loki, so you know. Eh. Right. Um, but yeah, that's that's the Loki plot. And so everyone's like, we can't trust Loki. And Thor is like, I shall bring him back to life. And does, in a way that you don't find out how he does it. Huh. He, he then, again, for not that much, with not that much explanation, brings Odin back to life. By destroying Odin's casket. Again, there's not another, not a lot of reason why he does this. Right. Presumably, he misses him. At this point, also, he's been told that like this big cosmic thing is coming to Earth to destroy everyone. So he might be like, you know, my dad's good in a fight. Mm-hmm. But but he does. He he just he just he says that he's defiling the casket of Odin, and all of a sudden, Odin's back to life. Um, and there's just. I mean, there's no there's no explanation. There's no real like I don't care about this because how many times has Odin come back to life now? Yeah, and true. also there's just such a feeling of reset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, for better or worse, Fraction gets handed the book with Asgard crashed into Earth, mm-hmm. no Loki, no Odin, and honestly, the first storyline feels like he's like, ah, fuck that, I'm going to put everything back to the way it was. Right. Well, um, which, you know, if you do that right, can be kind of exciting, you know, sort of reawakens yeah, the possibility not, of things. But yeah, but no, he's not it. doing that. And also, more than anything, it feels like he's trying to get everything back in order before the film comes out. Ooh, well, uh, I don't know why. It sounds like you can take just an issue if you're willing to, you know, resurrect people off panel, uh, right? Yeah, it, it, it's just, the whole thing is just weird. And also, I don't know, I just, it's really, really slow. It's very repetitive. I mean, pretty much the first and second editions are the same issue. Right. They have pretty much the same story beats. Um, and the, the second issue does not advance the plot of the first issue. Yeah, I, I heard it was not not especially strong. That's... Um, but it's, it's, I mean, I'm stunned how slow it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, re- I think what's happening is not only is he in love with Pascal Ferry's art, but he's trying for epic, and I think Matt's version of epic is slow, mm-hmm. and people and people telling you that something is important instead of showing you, right? And so you have lots of people turning up, and they're like, "This will be the end of all existence," 
and then Thor like frowns and then he's like I miss my brother I shall bring him back my brother's back oh end of existence I'll bring my dad back um, and it's just like huh I mean it's really pretty but there's there's nothing there it's it's kind of appalling also um, as you know I, I am hung up on Matt Fraction's daddy issues right you uh, are. So, I thought I was. Well, I've, I've become after rereading Casanova. I've become increasingly hung up in uh, my first daddy issues. And this is the blurb for next issue. Next issue, all the best Norse gods have daddy issues. It's so either self-aware or blindingly unself-aware. <laughs> that is. Yeah. But it's just. Yeah, I mean, I I I have awoken to your belief in daddy issues after the current Iron Man storyline, which is here's some more children of previous villains. <laughs> it's like, wait, this was the first storyline, wasn't it? You were saying, you were saying that it was kind of like, wow, he's there. He's retreading this. Really? That it wasn't that long ago. Uh, and he really, I mean, did you read it as a brought, did he bring anything really that new to, I've read the first trade uh-huh. or I should say not trade a hardback, a $20 hardback for four issues, which seems incredible. Incredibly slight to me. Wow! In fact, it might be—it might be more than twenty dollars. It might be like thirty dollars. No, really? It's—it's it's also. I told you that my amusement about the, um, the new hardcover that the, they completely fucked up the cover. Um, what? Here's a tip, designers: when you're sending something to press, make sure that your resolution is higher than it needs to be on screen. Or else you get what you have on the cover for the new Iron Man hardcover, which is pixelated to shit. No like, shit. They it's, didn't it's, send the right size and then they printed it? It's embarrassingly pixelated. Wow. It's the point where I'm, at, I'm still surprised that they haven't uh, asked for a redo. Is this the Stark Resilience? Yes. Uh, yeah, that, that cover doesn't look so awesome. Uh, I think it's just a $20 trade. It is. I'm looking at it right now. It's $20. Yeah, yeah, I but, um... Yeah, it's uh, it's four issues, and I like I think when you're doing a hardcover, especially for a twelve part story, Whoa. you should not do a four issue opener, especially because nothing really happens in those four issues. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like maybe he's going for a Iron Man must almost always fight the future because that's the sort of book it is. Mm-hmm. But I would really like it if he could come up with a new way of doing that that isn't. And by future, I mean children of his former enemies. <laughs> Um, especially children of his former enemies who are dead in the Marvel Universe but who are characters in the movie. Right. Exactly. Because it's it's Stane's son in the first arc and mm-hmm. it's Justin Hammer's daughter in the second. second in the, in Resilient, yeah. Hmm. Huh. Do you think his, his arc will end with him fighting his own bastard son? No, I think his arc's going to end with him doing something about his father. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, if you're saying that he's fighting the future, uh, I was just thinking like, hmm. But yeah, no, you would think that, you would think it would be... Uh, no, because I, I don't think Marvel would write Tony Stark a bastard son. <laughs> but here's the thing, if Marvel gave Tony Stark a bastard son, I have no doubt that because Matt's writing it, it would be as close to Damien as humanly possible. <laughs> Well, now, come on. <laughs> <laughs> really? I, I get a sigh and I come on? 
no, 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 no. Because I'm, I'm joking. Because of course. I mean that that seems it's, um, sort of cheap but fair. I mean my sort of my my oh, reluctance it, to dive in on that. Cheap, was sort but of, at the same time, mm-hmm. you can definitely see that Matt Fraction is Grant Morrison, which is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But I just feel that if he went to the Bastard Sunroot, the right. Bastard Sun would be Damien. <laughs> Especially considering the characterization of the children in Iron Man so far. Oh, yeah. Let, let me point that out. I, I think that it's not just that he would be biting Morrison. I think it's that for, again, whatever reason, the children in Iron Man um, seem to have like one generic personality. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like smart asshole. Right, smart asshole. Well, I, I definitely I was intrigued by the extent to which um, the first arc of Iron Man to to actually sit down and read it, despite h- how much time was spent with um, the villain, like how um, how generally un- unmotivated. He was like the the lack of motivation. Like you you see him, you see Stain running around doing all this stuff, uh, and then Tony pretty much gets in his head and pushes all of his buttons about his dad stuff. But like a lot of that is developed through, you know, sort of off screen exposition that like Stark mentions and digs around with and blah 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 blah, and it never really feels very organic and what was kind of interesting is is that Stain sort of had that kind of like very much kind of the the um you know they're like hey I'm the smartest guy in the room and I'm gonna blow you all up and now I'm gonna make out with my girlfriend while you know trying to figure out how to rehack my body and it's kind of like yeah that's kind of uh you know I I I can see the the audacity of sort of looking like you're identifying with the villain but um, but there was kind of an element of like, wow, for somebody who's identifying with the villain, you're not doing a particularly good job of developing them as a character, I guess. Yes, yes. Stain and, and again, the, the, the Hammer daughter, whose name completely escapes me. Um, Hammer aren't, Exactly. Aren't really characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I'd argue that outside of Pepper and Tony, no one in Iron Man is a character. Um, and I'm not even sure Tony and Pepper are characters either, but definitely they are more developed than anyone else in that series. Well, uh, and I, I think that part of it is I don't think character is Fraction's strong point, and know, I think I think he kind of shies away from it. Right. Uh, I was going to say Maria Hill actually is was pretty well done during the whole World's yeah, but... Most Wanted. I don't I don't know what what went on to happen to her, but I, I just have to say that I thought that there was a little bit of, of uh, the characterization there was much better than what I'd seen anywhere else up to that point. So. But do you think it's his characterization or do you think it's him biting Bendis' work on the character? Because uh, Marie Hill, I really like Marie Hill in the book. Mm-hmm. But I also think Marie, one of the reasons I like Marie Hill in the book is that she's not a Fraction character. I think Fraction, like, and I, this is not a negative, like Morrison, uh, like lots of writers I really like, specializes in one particular type of character to a particular type of character. And mm-hmm. Marie Hill is not Fraction's character. She's someone else's character. And so seeing him write that and put that into that place, mm-hmm. is, it brings a really interesting energy. 
Uh, yeah, no, which is part of what I liked about it. But I, I'm sort of like, again, I didn't follow Bendis' stuff for um, post-Maria Hill intro. I don't think that... Uh, I just kind of thought that her mixture of the way that she pushes herself and her own father issues and, and what have you, um, on the one hand, very, very generic, but but I still felt actually worked. Um, I, yeah, I, th- I think it works in part because it's not like any other character in the book. Yeah, I think I think she works true. as she works in that context because she works as contrast. Right, but I think it's interesting that you're like, well, but that's not really that because that's you're sort of like, well, that's not fraction. That's fraction like doing Bendis's version, and I'm like, well, but that's kind of comics. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, sure, but I, what I'm saying is, I don't think fraction. I think Fra- first of all, I don't think fraction could have come up with that on his own. Mm. And secondly, I don't think I, I don't think it's a question of talent. I think it's a question of interest. Right. I think Ben uh, Fraction cares more about plot mm-hmm. and quote ideas unquote mm-hmm. than he does about character. Right. Um, and so Maria is almost a success by accident. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like he wants he wants the mechanics of using Marie Hill because of the because she worked with Tony Stark mm-hmm. on Shield, and but she just happens to bring along the character herself. Uh, I, I I might I might be being too harsh. Yeah, that's pretty harsh. I mean, because I can't help but feel like if that's the case, she wouldn't have been made such a strong centerpiece of World's Most Wanted. You know what I mean? Like, you, in theory, you already have a, a very nice little bifurcated narrative with Stark in one set of scenes and, and Pepper. And in fact, then you've got Osborne as well. So, you know, there there's a lot of putting the balls up in the air by, by throwing Maria Hill in there that I think, like, you have to actively want that character in there. You know, I mean, part of it now, it may have been that, that his interest was in ambition or as a way to to goose the action or also to kind of um, it's it's a great way to, to get around any problems you start to get yourself in as far as plot goes, because you can just move on to somebody else and then come back and like things have kind of conveniently been um, wiped away. But uh, but I, I don't know. It does. It, that does seem a little a little Mm. A little mean. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, it, it lack of generosity. I suppose it, it doesn't seem especially generous in a way that um, I don't. I don't necessarily see it as mean, but it's just sort of there. There always that weird finessing benefit of the doubt situation that just kind of seems like it, that, it's. It's because Thor has eradicated. See. I can see Sense that. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> I can see where if you turn around and you pay sixteen bucks for a story that goes nowhere, you kind of get this whole sense of like, yeah, no. This like, is I not. kind, I kind of want to tell you to read it because right. it's so slow. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But I also can't say, hey, you know what you should drop sixteen dollars on? <laughs> this thing that goes nowhere and it's kind of pretty. Yeah. Um, I, I was really amused. Uh, the editor, who I want to say, is Ralph Macchio. Yeah, it is. Um gave an interview with comic book resources, I think, where he's like, this story is so epic that we're not doing it in six issues. We're doing it in seven. <laughs> Which, first of all, seems hilarious because, dude, it's one issue more. Like, seriously? Uh, and secondly, like, if the pacing was not as hellishly slow... Right. 
this could have been a four issue arc. Right. Right. Well, or even there's kind of that thing of to me, there's that idea of like, if it's that slow, you would think that it was going to be a 12 issue arc or something, you know, like it's just, well, that, that's the of... interesting thing. Like we're four issues into it and mm-hmm. the big cosmic threat has not even reached earth yet. Yeah. I mean, so if they're doing in seven, they've either got to really, really, really ramp up for the last three issues mm-hmm. or skimp on the battle. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm guessing there's going to be a battle. Right. Or there's not a battle. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? They'll head them off at the pass, and the, the last page will be them going, "We're still coming." Right, right. You know, exactly. and so I'm that, like the fact that they've been like, "Oh, it's seven issues," and this far in, like more than halfway. Mm-hmm. Uh, to my mind, we're still in the first act. Makes me think that the whole thing is a first act. Right, right, exactly. Which is, I think, supposed to be the big, the big epic surprise or whatever but it's well, really it, just it, not actually gonna... it really reminds me of when simonson took over the book and they had the the searcher pages you know the big doom doom right uh teasers i think like this whole arc is fractions version of doom um and and you know i i you could kind of point and be like oh it's decompress comics that's what happens but it's also like, no, you're like, good for you for trying to do foreshadowing for a big cosmic event, right. but give me more than that. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. right now it's pretty much Thor having brother and daddy issues, mm-hmm. acting weirdly out of character. Like, I can't believe Thor is not like, hey, remember all those times that like Loki has been a dick? And remember I killed him before? <laughs> well, now that he's dead, I've decided I miss him and I want to bring him back. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's so weirdly out of character. Also, I want to bring him back, and I'm going to do it by just saying I'm going to bring him back. And then he'll be back. Right. But he'll, he'll be a kid. Yeah. But, I, I mean, really, seriously, if it's not expl- if that mechanic is not explained in JMS's run, which I didn't read, like, if there's nowhere in that where he's like, I really wish for someone to come back, and then they come back to life, <laughs> then, then what the fuck? Right, right, exactly. Um, and also, yeah. what? the point in killing loki if you bring him back three months later well yeah exactly exactly i mean that's that's the part that's somewhat problematic although i you know again it's it's all in the timing you know i i personally think that um bringing loki back is is not a bad idea i i i kind of think that bringing odin back is not awesome frankly myself but you know that's just but he's thor's father Right, no, I totally get it. And like you said, the movie and blah, 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 blah. No, but blah. he's Thor's father. Oh, I see where you're going with this. <laughs> well, I don't I, know, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm like, can't we give I, so, Thor so a bastard kid? Like, like, let's just give them all bastard kids. Like, you know, that's my new you plan know for Marvel. Funny? What? So I'm thinking, like, I read the Thor's and I was like, oh, fuck, really? Fraction's doing another father thing? And I was like, well, at least he's not doing father things in X-Men. And I was like, what am I talking about? Scott Summers is like his he has his two estranged father figures. <laughs> Hi Charles Xavier and Magneto. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, but that's but that's 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 pretty built into the character. I mean, No, although... I know, but at the same time uh bringing Magneto into the book as a regular cast member uh, and not Nemesis, and putting him in the role that he is in in Uncanny X-Men right now mm-hmm. is pretty much, uh, I have issues with my father figures. <laughs> oh. Really? I mean, how is it yeah, different oh, no, from I... when Claremont brought Magneto in? Because I'm not... Uh, well, as, for one uh... thing, 
Cyclops wasn't around. Mm-hmm. Cyclops walked out. Well, I guess that's true. And then had to come back and deal with it because he he was back by two hundred or so and had to deal with it. Right? No, 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 wait. No, no, because Magneto became the father figure mm-hmm. in two hundred, and right. Cyclops left two hundred one. Oh, this, okay. This is my glory days of X-Men. Of course, you're like, you're like, I'm totally on this. And there, then the whole Australian outback and all the other stuff. Leonardi was drawing that issue. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, because no, they wrote um, Cyclops out in part. Oh, to read this, the Claremont issues, they wrote Cyclops out because they were writing Cyclops out and he's going away to be a husband. And then, like, the next month, they were like, X-Factor. So, I mean, Cyclops didn't come back into the book on a regular basis for years. Oh, right. He and by then, the by then, Magneto was gone and a villain again. Oh. I didn't so, realize they didn't overlap so, as much, but that makes sense. It overlapped by exactly one issue. Mm. And the point of that issue was Cyclops wanted to throw Magneto off the team. And instead, ended up getting thrown off the team himself. Or leaving, because no one threw him off the team. But, yeah, so it, it's... And again, you know, it's a bringing Magneto in that role is kind of a rehash, mm-hmm. um, which I think I don't actually have a problem with rehashes. I just have a problem with so many rehashes. Do you know what I mean? Like so much of Fraction's work, which is enjoyable, is resetting things to the way they used to be. Interesting. And you're scratching something very loudly. I was, and you you were opening something, so we're even, sir. <laughs> this microphone something? works what, what, two wait, ways. What, what, oh, no, what are you wrinkling with that cellophane or whatever on the other end of things? I heard you opened the blinds a second ago. So. Oh, yeah, I just opened the blinds because it's now started raining and it's incredibly dark. It was very sunny earlier on. They closed the blinds to reduce lens, uh, screen glare. I was going to say lens glare. Screen, screen glare on my laptop, and now it's pouring. So I've opened the blinds so I can... I'm not sitting in a darkened room. Selfie, <laughs> um, could that be this? That's it. What is that? Uh, it's actually the bag that my comics came in that just happens to be next to me on the table and I touched by mistake. Ah, uh, okay. Well, and yes, I was scratching. Sorry to ruin your plans. Detective <laughs> work, sir. You know, I've got a ways to go before those super keen senses of hearing can actually identify anything, so... But your healing powers are definitely coming on, so you are you are part Wolverine. <laughs> well, if you've seen my hair lately, you would say. Oh, you are, know are you even part. more Wolverine? Uh, it's it's getting back that way. I've got to do oh, something God. about these. Like listeners, yeah. listeners, there came a point after I moved up to Portland where Jeff Lester came to visit, um, and what he did not tell me was that he had grown his hair out slightly and grown sideburns. And I swear to God, if anyone ever wants to see Jeff Lester's Wolverine, those were the days. It, <laughs> Especially because you're wearing the leather jacket at the time as well. Yeah, honestly, like if he'd appeared and said "snicked Bob," I would have been like, <laughs> "Yes, my year of cosplay." I don't like to talk about it much, but uh, you know, it, a bet's it a bet for you. It worked for you, sir. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That's very kind. I, I can sort of see it, although it was always those drawings of Wolverine where, like. Almost like Kent Williams did, where like his hair is just like a mess and he's kind of fat. Oh, that's, that's my favorite Wolverine. Absolutely no joke. Yeah. Kent Williams when he does like greasy haired, grouchy Wolverine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. I love that. <laughs> you did not look like that, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Thank you. You're very kind. Because I'm like, oh, all right. Well, that, 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 now I understand why Graham approves. Yeah. <laughs>